0: Any securities or investment products discussed on Talkie Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talkie Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. Thanks for listening. If you happen to be a new listener to Talkie Money, just a refresher that we don't sell, I don't sell anything, and uh, we do want to help you make smart decisions with your money. We want to help make sure you're not making the wrong decisions with your money. So Joel Steinemeyer is my guest. He's been on a number of times over the years. We've had Talking Money. This is the 14th year for Talking Money, but it's also hard to believe and uh, has done a lot of work with our clients and me personally, and uh, just have a lot of respect for Joel and his uh, experience, skill set in this area. So, Joel, welcome to Talking Money once again.
1: Well, thank you so much, Mike. It's great to be back, and uh, what a great show, and uh, I really appreciate it.
0: Of course, things have happened here. The last couple of years, we've had a couple different with the SECURE Act just being passed, and when President Trump and Congress passed the, the legislation that increased all these personal exemptions or all the um, – uh, tax, federal tax exemptions and all that kind of, uh, changed the way we should be looking. A lot of changes have happened that, that some people aren't aware of. We want to make sure they're aware of them today. So, uh, let's plow right into it. What are some, what are some things we need to consider with the new tax changes in, in estate planning specifically?
1: Well, you're right, Mike. Uh, several years ago, we had some absolutely major changes in the estate planning area. Um, Most people realize that the uh, estate tax exemption, the credit amount, uh, is now north of eleven million dollars, and that's per person. Yeah. So a married couple has a twenty-two million dollar plus plus yeah uh, exemption. So you know I'm uh, good. Yeah. You good?
2: <laughs>
1: so. Well, you know, you know they t- they talk about oh it only affects the uh, the upper one percent of America. Yeah. Actually, it's less than that. Um, so those exemptions have have essentially sheltered married couples, um, p- probably you know le- much less than one percent of the the country. So at least until twenty twenty five. That's right. and we don't know what's going to happen. It, 2025. It, it expires in 2025, um, and nobody knows exactly uh, what the environment will be right. about that right. time. So, you know, we we still do some planning around that um, that contingency that it may may revert back or whatever. Right. Um, but there was other, there were other changes that I think will um, will that have been very popular and will um, I, I think will remain such as what we call portability and those types of things um but you know a lot of people um think that because the exemptions are so high they they really don't need to do any any planning and you know that there's a there's a myth that trusts are no longer a viable uh vehicle that everybody can just just have simple wills and and they, just
0: unnecessary now, right? Because I just don't need a trust anymore. Because I don't need to save estate taxes. And that's yeah. that's definitely a myth. Yeah,
1: it is a myth. And it's just not true, and it's not fair to the family, um, right. because there's there's a lot of issues involved with estate planning other than just pure tax. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know I, you you and I were talking a little earlier. I'm actually probably doing more trusts for uh, families than, mm-hmm. than than before. Yeah. And, and, and we can kind of go into the reasons, you know, for trust other than just pure tax. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um.
0: Well, they've always been there. It just, it seems like it's been brought to the forefront more now that the tax piece has gone away for most people. And then you start thinking, well, do I really need a trust? Then they start thinking through, oh, well, here's all the reasons why I need to set up a trust that have nothing to do with saving it estate taxes has everything to do with making sure that my assets get passed on to the people I wanted to get passed on to correctly and maybe even protect them against themselves. And maybe you've got a spendthrift spouse, spendthrift kids. You've got you know, potential divorce situations you're trying to protect against. I mean, there's a lot of issues there that would require a trust to make sure they get passed on correctly, right?
1: Uh, absolutely. And and another factor is probate. Um, you'd be amazed at how many uh, people move here from out of state, or, mm. or or even in state, and they'll come to me and they say, Joel, you know, I just went through probate with mm-hmm. my parents, or my sister, or my brother, or whatever, and it was not a good process. I, if whatever you can do to minimize or avoid the probate process, I would love to be able to do that. So that's that that's always a hot topic when I yeah. when we sit down and talk.
0: Yeah. Deborah Faulkner's been on the on talking money a number of times over the years and and it in spite of how efficient Greenville County has gotten and how they do things, it's still a process that you may or may not want to avoid, but it's certainly you ought to think through it and see if a trust would help you avoid that and if it's necessary
1: yeah and i and by the way i I sincerely feel like uh Greenville county ha, has mm-hmm. probably the best probate office uh in the state I, I deal with a lot of different counties and yeah. um uh it it really is good and it it's certainly compared to what the horror stories I hear from people moving yeah. from New York or <laughs> right. California yeah. or you know other other states um South Carolina and particularly Greenville County um is you know it it is a lot easier to yeah. work with yeah. than uh, than than uh, what I otherwise
0: hear. Right. So we have a lot to talk about in estate planning, and there's a lot to this. And I know callers generally have a lot of questions in this area, so we've got certain things we want to talk about. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation. Unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Hey, this is Mike Miller. You're listening to Talking Money. Joel Stademire, my guest with Nexen Pruitt here in Greenville. Right, so, Joel, before the break, we were talking about how many people don't think that a trust is needed anymore because the state tax exemption is so high, and so they think, okay, I don't need a trust. But a lot of reasons why people need a trust, and, and maybe even people who have had their trust set up in such, such a way to take advantage of the old law maybe need to think about changing that, adjusting it some to make sure they don't cause a an issue they really hadn't planned on because the new change – Made, they don't need to do like they used to with these, um, I guess we call these old formulas, some that use the old formula trust. So let's talk about the changes that happened and how people might want to think about adjusting that.
1: Yeah, um, Mike, it's, it's very common to, to have a married couple come in. Um, they had their documents done back in the late 90s, early 2000s when the estate tax exemption was Somewhere around anywhere from 750,000 to a million and a half or 2 million or. I still remember (laughs) 250,000. I do too. (laughs) I wasn't going to date myself (laughs) that much. But, but, you know, their, their documents were done back in those days and uh, it was pretty common to see that everything would go into what we call a credit shelter trust. Some people call it a bypass trust. Um, and if you fast forward 20 years now, um, they look at that and they said, man, I I, I, I sure don't want that. That's no longer applicable to my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, you know, a lot of our planning now is not so focused on estate planning where you've got the exemption at $11 million. Um, but there's more, f- Just as much, if not more, focus on income tax planning.
0: Where more people would, would take, have an advantage by focusing on the, on the estate planning for a long time because the estate tax exemption has been high enough. Really, it didn't apply to a lot of people for a long time, but then they forget about the tax planning part. That's so crucial.
1: Yeah, the, the income tax planning. Um, and, and a lot of people don't realize that when someone dies, uh, as a general rule, they're, their assets get what's called a step-up in basis. So if, if dad bought a stock at $100 15 years ago,
0: mm-hmm.
1: dad dies, that stock is now worth $300. Uh, whoever inherits that from dad, usually mom, yeah. mom's going to get a step-up in income tax basis of $300. Fair market value at the date of death.
0: Right. Um, That's a huge deal. Oh. When she yeah. goes to sell it.
1: When she goes to sell it, if she didn't get that step-up in basis, she's going to pay tax on a $200 gain. Yeah. Um, when she goes to sell it after Dad dies, um, there's not going to be any income tax at all. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Dad gets older, and all of a sudden they say, well, Let's, let's gift all this money to the children. Right. Um, no. You, you, you know, <laughs> but, well, people don't realize that when you make a gift, there's there's instead of a step-up in basis, it's what's called a carryover basis. Right. So the children Same. will get a $100 basis, and if they then tell turn around and sell that stock, they're going to pay gain on it as opposed oh. to if they inherited it, there would be absolutely no income tax yeah. uh, paid on that.
0: Plus, and I, and, and on the financial planning side, when we help clients try to figure out what their basis is. Uh, so even sometimes when they're alive, when they say, Oh yeah, I bought this stock through payroll deduction. I bought this stock over the years. I've been reinvesting all these dividends. So every, every, uh, and buying more stock with a reinvested dividend. So I've got new basis for each of those shares that I bought, like trying to figure out what is really your basis. And if I just, I pass it on through my estate, I don't have to worry about figuring any of that stuff out. It's just stepped up to whatever the current price is, and I'm done.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Congress has debated over the years about eliminating step-up in basis because it's such a huge benefit, or at least some members of yeah, Congress. Yeah, yeah. But well, they've gone back and that. forth about
0: that, and I was really more concerned about that, really, than it was some of the other estate tax provisions if they did away with the, the step-up in basis because that benefits – you know if if the, even the some of the ones who are in favor of more taxes uh, would think about that it's really hurting their the lower income constituents because of the not getting the step up in basis
1: yeah think think about the farmers who've have had yeah. a farm yeah. in the family for right. years and years, they bought that that farm for $50,000 yeah. uh, 20 30 years ago now the farms worth 2 3 4 5 million dollars yeah um if they had to pay income tax on that sale or the those that inherited it down the road um it'd just be disastrous
0: They have to be selling selling the family farm and then yeah. who knows what happens after that exactly Wow, that's crazy Did have one text and we'll we'll answer this question and we get back to the trust but uh, is there a general minimum asset base a family should have before considering a trust Also what is the price range a price range to expect to pay for a trust? That was the question from a uh listener.
1: No, uh I don't I don't think there's a price threshold. That um I think it depends on your family situation. For example, we do trust all the time for minor children or children mm-hmm. less than certain ages. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I get a young a married couple coming in, they've got uh they've got children or grandchildren <laughs> um you know, that are that are in their teens or less than that or whatever. And the, and the worst thing that you want to do, regardless of how, um, mature and responsible your children are, you don't want to put money in their hands at, at too young of an ages. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if we always plan where if both mom and dad were to, to die and the children are less than 25 or 30 or 35 or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll put those, those monies in trust so that somebody responsible um can manage those um assets, it's still gonna be for the benefit of the children. But mm, right. but but the trust will be designed so that the money can be spent for their medical needs, their education, uh, or their support, taking into consideration other resources right. that they may or may not have. Um you know, there may be children that are that are not responsible. And 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 you're not you're not trying to penalize the children you're trying to provide for them
0: well and it may not be just the child too it could be their their grown married or a spouse who is not responsible and is, is as long as one of them is not responsible then you may have an issue
1: exactly yeah. and um, so it's it's not it's not a a threshold or, or a certain amount of assets um, that's really the the guiding force it's it's your particular family situation and how you want to provide for them yeah. and um, just, just to make sure those kind of things. And another situation I see all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, people at work, they fill out their 401k beneficiary form. Right. And the primary beneficiary will usually be their spouse. And mm-hmm. I, and I agree totally with that. Mm-hmm. And then they'll naturally provide that, that if the spouse is not alive, it goes to the children. Right. Well, if the children are 10 years old or 12 years old or right. even 17 or 18, they don't realize that you know those monies going to at that young an yeah. age um so we'll we'll usually get the clients to change that beneficiary form put it in a tr- trust for for the children um until their ages that they they think they'll be more responsible
0: right yeah that's and that's a key they they may seem responsible at, at 16, but then once once they get uh, you know a couple million dollars inherited, they may not be as responsible as you thought they were going to be all that time.
1: All, all of a sudden, there's a Maserati in, <laughs> yeah, the, right, yeah. in the front yeah. yard. <laughs> yeah.
0: where did that come from? And, and their college education drives up in a Maserati. Yeah, that's uh, that's not what you really wanted to have happen there. Uh, so uh, a lot of reasons for the trust then, and, and, and whether it's to avoid probate, whether it's to help. Um, direct and guide the, uh, funds coming out. And, and generally speaking, that for the trustee, it, that usually is a surviving spouse can be a trustee. Uh, if the both spouses are gone, many times if you have adult children, they'll name adult childre- children as the trustee, but that can be a little tricky too, because You want to make sure that they're competent, know all the rules, know how to do the reporting of the income that they need to do every year. You want to make sure that the one child who's the trustee and the other two children who have to ask that child for money, that can, that can cause a little friction every now and then. And of course you have a corporate trustee now, which we're pleased with Ronald Blue Trust. Now we can, we can act as that corporate trustee. And oftentimes it's just a backup if, if everything else fails. But it's still some importance. So when we get back to the break, and we'll we'll continue the conversation, of course, we want to also uh, finish the uh, conversation about these um, credit shelter trusts and so forth, what people should do, to because how should they look at them now, and what kinds of things they should do to consider changing them. Uh, but we'll have to do it after the break. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the business consulting division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 that's 1-800-588-7526. That's one 7526 Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. So glad you're with us. I've got a couple of folks trying to get in. We'll get to those in a second before the break. Joel and Joel Stoudemire, my guest, uh, state planning attorney, uh, just um, well respected in the community, and of course well respected by us at Ronald Blue Trust and formerly, of course, Plan First and uh, we're talking about trusts and talking about the different kinds of uh, reasons why you might have one in addition to tax savings. So, uh, Joel, you talked a little bit about the the formula trust, or the the credit shelter trust and bypass trust and those kind of things that people may have. So we talked about uh, stepped up in basis. Now that's affected uh, by that. So let's also talk about, explain to us and explain to the listeners about the things that they may want to consider Doing differently, at least what they want to look at with those credit shelter trusts and how they may want to restructure it if they're not structured right already.
1: Yeah, Mike, we see a a, a lot of people that, like I mentioned earlier, um, had their documents done back in the late nineties, early two thousands, or even, yeah. even later. And they've, they've got where the, um, the assets automatically, no discretion whatsoever, automatically go into that credit shelter trust. Right. And that really, Creates a lot of inflexibility, and um,
0: especially in they're saying, or the maximum amount allowed for the estate tax exemption goes into that trust.
1: That's right, and right. that's the typical formula. Yeah, that is the first uh, under that formula, the first eleven million will go into that trust, and and the terms of that trust may uh, may absolutely not be what they currently want, and they yeah. don't realize they've got that. Right, and they don't realize that it's automatic. There's no discretion involved on that. Right. So what we'll do is we'll look at that and 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 the fact that we've got now got what's called portability, which means that it, it back in the back in the day before portability, we were we were doing a lot of work where we were titling assets fifty trying to get fifty percent right. in the husband's name, fifty percent in the wife's name because you didn't know who was going to die first. That's no longer as critical with portability, right. um, and. What we're seeing a lot of is in order to keep things simple, um, one spouse will just leave everything directly to the other spouse, but we'll put a provision in there. It's called a disclaimer provision that if for whatever reason uh, after death, the surviving spouse wants to disclaim some assets and actually get them into that credit shelter trust, we've, we've got that flexibility to do that. Um let me mention a couple of other reasons why okay. trust may be still in the forefront.
0: All right, then we'll get to the callers.
1: Um, second marriages.
0: Uh, with additional, that happens every now and then these days, every, doesn't every, it? Yeah. Every now and
1: then. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we see a lot of second marriage situations, and one spouse will say, you know, I, 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 love, my, I love my spouse. I want to leave. Assets to them, but when that spouse dies after me, I want to make sure that, that, that my assets go to my, my children, children. Yeah, not and not children. my second spouse's right. children. And right. that's just natural. Sure. That's just natural. And you know, if, if they have documents that say everything goes to the surviving spouse, well, even though you trust that surviving spouse, Situations change, and yep. people's attitude, and they they meet new people, and all of that, mm-hmm. and those assets may not in, end up in your children's hands right. when it's all said and done. So, we 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 see a lot of. We can design the trust where the 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 spouse, the surviving spouse, still gets the benefits. The surviving spouse is still taken care of, but when that surviving spouse ultimately dies, um, his or her Natural-born children are the ones that are rewarded.
0: Yeah, and there's also thoughts about remarriage. So what if one spouse dies and, and you want to protect those assets in case the the surviving spouse does remarry? And then there's even another new set of children maybe involved because you could get pretty complicated with this stuff.
1: Yeah, and you look at the statistics. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, um, husband and wife come in to see me and they say, oh, if – if John dies, um, I, I I know I'm I'm never gonna remarry. I, I I'm, that's that's not what statistics yeah. are well it's more You're likely right.
0: that she might not remarry, but he probably will. <laughs> <laughs> if he if something happens to her, he's probably gonna remarry. Yeah. yeah. Statistics yeah. Uh, bear that out too. Yeah.
1: And you know, it, it's it's just a fact of life.
0: Okay. All right, did you have one other thing about trust, Uh, uh, one of the reasons somebody may use a trust? You said maybe you had a couple things. You want to go to the callers? Let's go to the callers. Okay, so let's go to Wayne, who's calling us from uh, Greenwood, wants to clarify something. Good morning, Wayne. Welcome to Talk Your Money.
2: Good morning. You did an excellent job on differentiating between gifts and assets that pass through probate. But one thing I don't think I've ever encountered in all the years that I can be certain and I need to clarify When a trust is set up and the creator dies and the beneficiaries decide to sell real estate or stocks, does that basis not go back to the creator of the trust, his basis, uh, in other words, the donor's adjusted basis, or does it get a stepped-up basis like when it does when it passes through probate? right.
1: Wayne, as a general rule, when it passes through pay- probate, it will get a step up in basis. Right,
2: I know that. Okay. So what's but the- if a trust doesn't pass through probate, does it not get that stepped up basis?
1: No, it will still, if, if, the, the majority of the trusts are what we call revocable trusts. And, um, when the assets are already in that trust, when a death occurs, those assets even though they don't go through probate will still get a a step up in basis um and when they when they pass either to the surviving spouse or to the children um there there will be a step up in basis so
0: what about if the assets With a so,
1: revocable trust
0: yeah so I'll, so I'll clarify okay. something so if if the assets go into one of these bypass trusts we're talking about so it act uh, at at the first death it goes to the kids Gets a stepped up in basis maybe at that point, but then that that trust stays in existence for you know twenty years, and then uh, that that trust the surviving spouse dies, and so that trust then passes on to the kids. At that point, there's not a step up in basis for that kind of trust. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: So there are times when it doesn't get a step up depending on what kind of trust it is. But a revocable trust certainly that does.
1: Yeah. And what um, what a lot of people what one thing we do plan for now for example is um, when when the let's just use the example the father dies and he leaves everything to his spouse the mother there's a step up in basis at that time 20 years later the mother dies there's another step up in basis so you can if you if on the right planning you can actually get two step step up in basis um Whereas with the old credit shelter trust, you, you you get a step up in basis on the first death but not the second death.
2: Yeah. Does that help, Wayne? Yes, well I I already knew that about the surviving spouse, of course getting the stepped up basis and right. another stepped up basis when she dies. Yes. Yes, that helps certainly with the type of trust. That's yep. what it comes down
0: to. Yep, yeah, Good planning. All right, Wayne. Thanks for the call okay. as always. Thank you. All right. So let's go ahead and switch to John, who's also calling us from Greenwood. This is our Greenwood day again. Hey, so, hey. hey good morning, John. It's,
3: it's, it's Greenwood old home morning calling yeah, this morning. <laughs> Sounds like uh- it. I've got a probate probate trust issue question. Actually, several of them. I'll try to be uh, straight to the point on this. I was a. Uh, I've got a dog that's having a problem here in the background. Let me move her. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to oh, say yeah, you had a
0: dog. You had a problem with probate well, on. Well, so I, I, actually,
3: <laughs> it might be, but we won't go there. That's the, that's that's, that's okay. another rabbit trail. Um, I, basically, um, I was a uh, trustee in an irrevocable trust, and it was a fairly innovative thing back in the early '80s. Uh, My father was a somewhat irresponsible uh, disabled veteran, and I was named uh, as his trustee and essentially his his, uh, stand-in trustee as half-owner of the house. Um, I later um, after dad died uh I recognized that if dad had been completely in his uh right facilities that he would have wanted to leave the 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 house to my mother so uh what I wound up doing was was going against the trust and uh putting everything back in mom's name as opposed to selling the house and doing everything else fast forward uh to 2019 and my mom died back January 3rd 2019 and so I had this this previous standing where I was also her personal representative or as it was called back then executor and um so anyway we went into full scale probate and it was one of the worst probate Fights that that one particular prominent attorney down here said he 'd ever seen I was not able to secure an attorney um, to represent me against this particular individual because he was considered uh, um, a, 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 <laughs> widely in the community one of the most influential around here. nobody really wanted to go up against him, and a number of people were actually a number of attorneys actually rented from him so <laughs> the, okay. And, and so it was just a really complicated thing. So quick cut to the point, ch- quick cut to the chase here. How can I find an attorney in A uh, to represent me in uh, closing matters on a probate? We're in, we've entered the final straight stages. There have been some discrepancies and fairly major discrepancies, like twenty-five thousand um, dollars, that that have emerged in the final accounting. And so I need a, a forensic accountant. Uh, to, to, to be able to look at this so John it was a,
0: was, the, was the probate though in Greenwood or was this done in Georgia I think from a previous it
3: was, it was originally it was originally thought to be over in Georgia okay and now it was in Greenwood okay and I have run into a problem with attorneys who will not uh, come outside their county of practice in other words, I tried to come to Greenville and I had an attorney who had just had a baby up there and uh, she couldn't do it on that basis but she also said that as it turns out that um, she couldn't she couldn't do it because uh, the law Laws were different in Greenwood, and I just went, "What?" That just sounds astounding to me. Yeah, and, I, and I and I think it was an excuse. I don't think it was really true, but um, she she. Said that she couldn't represent me in Greenwood because she was based in Greenville.
0: Okay, so John, I'm going to have you hold just and if you sure. if you don't mind holding through the break. We're past time sure. for the break, and then uh, and we'll I'll shut up. That's fine. We got the question, so you can hang on, uh, and so I, we can I'll follow. I'll follow up. up and make room. That's okay. fine, no problem. So <laughs> sure, uh, we'll we we'll uh, come back with John's question or try to get the answer to John's question. When we come back from uh, this break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Stewart division without any ongoing monitoring or you're about to retire and need to work with the private wealth division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or call 800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. The last uh, less than 10 minutes in uh, Talking Money went a little long there before the break with John's question, which is fine. Uh, we don't have time much time for another question. If you've got a quick text or phone call, do it now, 877-235-9405. Okay, Joel, John was asking about uh, getting like a forensic accountant uh, or an attorney to help. He's talked, sounds like, with one or two, and they they uh, sound like gave him, just blew him off. So <laughs> It sounds like he was saying, so... Well, what's your best, best recommendation for
1: Well, um, you know, there's no shortage of lawyers anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're everywhere. Just turn on the TV. You'll, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so my recommendation is just, just keep talking like you're doing now, just asking people, Hey, do you know anybody that, um, that, that has done some probate work or could, could help me? And you go to talk to somebody and they say, well, you know, I'm not i 'm not doing that, but why don 't you call so and so so i I'd say just keep don't give up just just keep trying same thing with forensic accountants yeah. um, there's there's a, there's a lot of good accountants around, and just just keep asking and and pursuing it and um i I feel confident that you'll find somebody that um, that'll do a good job for you
0: yeah, good. maybe they will be from Greenville and not Greenwood, but still there there should be somebody available all right so joel the one of the main Issues we've been discussing today had to do with the formula trust, had to do with the formula trust, meaning the credit shelter trust or bypass trust. And we talked about um, the dangers that may be there if it doesn't really do what you originally wanted it to do. So before we leave that subject completely and hit maybe a few other things before we're finished today, so the the main advice, it sounds like, is to to look at the document again and see if it really says what you want it to say in light of the new changes with the tax law. And if not, maybe it needs to be redone or amended at least to have more flexibility built into it with uh, disclaimer provisions and things like that. Is that the bottom line or?
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you want to make sure that you can take advantage of the uh, step up in basis rules, which mm-hmm. is income tax oriented right. as opposed to a state tax oriented. Yeah. So with, with the increase in the exemption, we're not as focused on a state tax per se. We're more focused on income tax savings, um, but from an estate standpoint, not a state tax, but just pure estate standpoint, um, there's so many things that we still want to plan for to yeah. make things um, progress the way that you want.
0: And there's one asset that I see, and I'm sure you've seen uh, very frequently misunderstood, and that is the the deceased person's, the parent's personal residence so they have this personal residence that maybe they bought 40 years ago for 20 grand and it's now worth 100 maybe it's still not worth a ton of money but that's that's a big increase there's an 80,000 gain or maybe it's worth 200,000 dollars now but they only paid 20,000 for it i mean my first house was 42,500 i think that same house now is selling for 170 or 80 uh just old ranch old ranch style house and and so a lot of people don't think about okay if uh, maybe they try to move the house out of the parent's name because they want to make sure they qualify for Medicaid or something like that, and then they so they take it out of the names and essentially make a gift before death, and then at death they go to sell the house and find out and and the person the parent never did go under Medicaid they just they died of a heart attack or something else more suddenly, and now they're going to sell the house and guess what.
1: Yeah and, and 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 it's not their principal residence so they right. so they're not eligible for yeah. the you know for the exclusion right um right. so all of a sudden um they they've got the same basis as their parents yeah. as opposed to a step up in basis and they said what do I what do I do and I said well
0: Move into the house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could move into the house, make it your primary residence for two years, and then get the exclusion. But then, of course, sell your other house, and you get the exclusion for that. That's move to the new house if yeah. you want to stay in mom's old house, and then stay there for a couple of years, and then you can sell it if you want to do that kind of work. If it's worth it to you for all that moving trouble, yeah,
1: but, that that could be pretty awkward, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: but it's uh, a possibility. It is a way to 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 get around that if you wanted to, but
1: that's
0: right. It's still a lot of work to do. It is. Okay, so we've got about five minutes here left. Uh, some other things that that we see quite frequently that people, and a lot of has to do with this step-up in basis as well, but not necessarily that. So a lot of uh, people will use this transfer on death or payable on death registration for a bank account, a checking account, or a brokerage account, maybe even their home and so forth. Uh, and a lot of times they're doing it just to save money for the to not have to, to do a will. And, and I remind folks all the time that look, you're not getting your will done that often. You need to go see a professional like Joel to get that done so that you know it's right because you're, you're never going to know that it's right. You'll be gone and everybody else will find out that it wasn't right. And they may be cursing you in, in the grave that you didn't set it up correctly. Not that you care about that anymore, but still, if you want to protect the family, you want to do what's right by them, you make sure it's done correctly because it's not that expensive. When you consider the fact that you don't do it every year, so they're trying to maybe avoid that. So, what are some of the dangers with having that? There's some positives to transfer on death, the account registration versus having it just flow through the estate.
1: Um, yeah, the um, you know, you you set up that payable on death designation, and circumstances may change, and you're, you know, you, you go to you change your will, um, but because you know, if if there's a death in the family or something like that, and um, but you forget about changing that payable on death or mm-hmm. um, whatever, it it does one one benefit is it does avoid uh, probate, right? Um, so, you know, I think there are there are benefits there, but. Yeah. Um,
0: well, but because it avoids probate, you may have a provision, and this is where a lot of people forget, like with life insurance, beneficiary designations, IRA beneficiary, anything that has a beneficiary designation that does not go through the probate, doesn't go through the will process, also means that you may have, and I've seen this often over the years, and you have too, Joel, where somebody has provisions in their will set up in their state planning documents where they want some protection. They've got maybe even some trust built in the will to, to help take over so that the children don't get it right away and protect the minor children, who who knows, whatever they have it in there for. But then they set up a payable on
1: death account, and it never gets there. Absolutely. Same. Yeah, people don't realize that the will does not govern everything that passes at death. Right. You've got these beneficiary forms, life insurance. Right. IRAs, 401Ks, payable on death, Um. Joint with right of survivorship accounts.
0: So that's another one. So joint, so you have a joint ownership with a spouse. So if it's, if it's with right of survivorship, then it's nice at at death. The surviving, uh, owner is automatically the owner of that account. They could, either one of them could do anything they want to before they died or after they died. Either way, that's, that works fine. But there again, then what happens if they both die at the same time? And if the will's not set up correctly.
1: That's right. Good point, Mike. You've got a problem. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So you really need to be, be careful when it comes to how your will set up, how your, your contracts like IRAs, 401ks, annuities, uh, none of that. And a lot of people forget annuities. They don't get a step up in basis either. Uh, anything that's in an IRA is not going to get a step up in basis if it's in a traditional IRA. If it's in a Roth IRA, of course, there's, there's, you don't have to worry about basis, but a traditional one, People think I've had people that are that uh, you would think know better thought that their surviving children would not have to pay taxes on an IRA. They thought it was stepped up. I guess doesn't happen.
1: No, no, it's um they're definitely paying income tax on those distributions when the children receive them.
0: All right, so we got to wrap up today. So of course, if you have any questions or would like to learn more about any of the topics covered on the program today, you can always reach out to your financial advisor, your tax attorney, whoever your professional is. We do believe it's very important to work with an advisor who shares your values, though, and your biblical worldview. So if you want more information, please call 800-588-7526. And Joel, your phone number, if somebody wants to call and get in touch and see if they would like to uh, get some documents, get you to review something, what's your phone number?
1: Absolutely.
0: 864-282-1127. 282-1127. All right. We're, We're about out of time here, so we'll see you next week for the next edition of Talking Money.